Hi, my name is Lexis Fox, and I want to tell you a story. It feels a little weird, but it is something I've always done, first as entertainment for my friends, later as a defense mechanism, and now as a primary objective. Back in high school, my friend Troy would clap when I arrived and squeal, Lexis, tell me a story. And I usually had one. I was born accident-prone and graceless, developed a weirdo magnet in my teen years, and fell into serendipitous stupidity and you've got to be kidding me timing as I got older. All of it's accumulated in me being a storyteller by default, if not by design. As a result, here I am. When I first considered podcasting, it started as a joke, as I've found many of my best ideas have. There was no mission, no epiphany, no aha moment where I realized that this was my calling or anything. It was an evolution from joke to punchline to the seed of a real idea that I sat on, as I've done with the rest of my best ideas. That's what I do. I float from idea to idea, project to project, without direction or purpose. My house is littered with half-finished afghans, unfinished canvases, and a multitude of notebooks and computer files devoted to novels, business plans, and memoirs. All through the years that I've started and started but never finished, I've accidentally been working my way up the corporate ladder from contract employee to senior leader, well on my way to the VP seat that sits at the base of the C-suite. And with each step up the ladder, there's been a moment when I looked around from the new higher vantage point with its new roles and responsibilities and said, um, what now? I'd spend a few days off kilter, cleaning up my inbox, delegating my least favorite or more time-consuming tasks, and scrubbing down my desk, then settle in with a vague look around while the talking heads played in the background. Well, how did I get here? And with every step up, I had no answer. I was nearly paralyzed with imposter syndrome, but in those earliest stages of the climb, I had not actually heard that term. I just felt that I was alone in feeling that I was not where I belonged, that I didn't deserve the raise or the promotion, and that at any minute I'd be found out and it would all come crashing down. I was afraid of everything. I was the primary breadwinner, so I feared for my family and my home. Student loans, taxes, mortgage payments chewed on my soul bite by tiny little bite. And I'm disabled, so there was fear that I'd never find another job that let me work from home with pay high enough to support my family. It's kind of a unicorn job. I wore golden handcuffs, but I didn't know who had the keys. My husband brought the term imposter syndrome to me after reading an article in a psychology magazine a few years ago, which is hysterical because he hates the whole idea of psychology in general. Though I'd never heard of it, the term first made an appearance back in the 70s by psychologists Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, who found that Despite having adequate external evidence of accomplishments, people with imposter syndrome remain convinced that they don't deserve the success that they have. There it was. It had been that way all through school when I made an honor roll, but I didn't know how to study. It was what made me major hop seven times throughout my ill-advised college career. It was there when I blacked out during my senior oral presentation after a question was asked that I was unprepared for. I had to be escorted out the front of the class. It was there when I moved from the safe job working in an office to a software company as an independent contractor with no safety net. It was there when I got hired full-time, when I was promoted to assistant manager, through the staff coup that made me manager, to the step up to senior leadership where the VP fruit is dangled with promise regularly. And each time, I had no idea why it was happening. When I was offered the role of manager, I actually waited three weeks before accepting, and even then, it was the knowledge that if I didn't accept, the company would hire an external manager that tipped my hand and shoved me up that rung. With the exception of the outgoing manager, the team generally had a great dynamic and a holistic, clear understanding of our clients and their needs. My fear of a new ignorant manager screaming metrics without knowing how our worlds turned outweighed my own fear of taking on the new role. 
but I didn't know a thing about people managing. Who did I think I was even considering that move? So I spent those weeks of indecision talking to my husband, my closest friend, the VP who was pushing me to take the role, and Googling frantically because there's pretty much nothing that can't be learned from the internet. In the end, I agreed to take on the role on an interim basis. I'd help the team acclimate to the idea of a new manager, clean up some of the messy aspects of the department that have been bugging me for years, and rebuilding some of the bridges that the old manager had set on fire and burned to ash. I wasn't becoming a manager. I was helping my team. Those mental gymnastics mattered. I wasn't sure I was cut out to be a manager, but I was sure I could help people. It's the one thing I know I'm good at and have always been good at, solving other people's problems. Of course, I solved their problems while our own buried us, but my advice and strategies have always been spot on, if one can handle the blunt delivery of that advice. I occasionally have problems with my edit button. So when I accepted the interim role, I ended the conversation with what would kind of become my new mantra, happy to help. I've learned over the past couple of years that those words are magic in the business world where everyone is focused on their own problems, projects, and objectives. It's the first item in my toolbox when forging new relationships, embarking on new projects, or conducting one-on-one -on -one meetings with my staff. The result of ending a conversation with those words, or responding to a request with them, is appreciation. Bear in mind, happy to help doesn't mean walk all over me, or I'll do the heavy lifting while someone else gets the credit. It means just that, helping. I know something, I have a skill or an understanding that adds value, and I'm happy to share that. Happy that my expertise is acknowledged and requested, happy to help someone look at a problem through a different lens, or happy to be a sounding board when emotions ride high, happy to help you learn something new. Business is a focus that's not entirely human. Its focus is on more. Whether more means selling the most widgets each quarter, or feeding more homeless people, or generating the most blood donations, whatever the purpose of the business, the objective is always more. That single objective is sliced and diced into neat, measurable objectives for each department, manager, team, and individual. And those objectives have consequences. They dictate raises, promotions, layoffs, and more. They matter whether they're met with enthusiasm or eye rolls. And to achieve them, whether it's a CEO or an intern, individuals need help, but loathe asking for it. Asking for help is a sign of weakness to many, a vulnerability they don't want to expose. So offering to help, eliminating an obstacle or providing constructive feedback will inspire gratitude. Gratitude from those lower than you are reflected in your reputation. It's the difference between the boss that everyone hates and the boss that everyone loves. Gratitude from those higher than you is testament to your value. And that value is what will push you up the ladder whether you're reaching for the next rung or not. In dissecting myself and my unexpected, if not unearned, upward trajectory, I'm aiming to get a stranglehold on this imposter, to shake it out and make it an advantage rather than a detriment to my life. I'm hoping that by sharing this process and telling my stories, I can inspire you to take ownership of your story, to fight your own demons and rise above your own noise. I'd love to hear your ideas and your struggles with imposter syndrome and listen to your stories. You deserve it, and I'm happy to help.